Amen. Well, good morning. You can grab a seat. My name is Jeremy. I am, uh, my wife and I started Blessed City two years ago now, counting the day before all the COVID restrictions. It's been a ride. And we're so grateful you're here and so grateful for uh, Sozo Church here. It's all, if you're from Sozo Church, can you raise your hand? And just can you give me a hand? Thank them for coming. Well, um, about a year ago, we had a, a team come from Hawaii um, called Ekbalo. Anybody remember that day? They came and they ministered. And through that, um, Shannon and Caleb were connected with Marianne and Ron Hall. And we're just going to pray over you guys and we're going to turn it over to you. And um, God, we just thank you for this awesome crew that shows up. And we pray that you would do more at Sozo Church in Belfair than you do at Blessed City Church. We ask God that you would pour out your presence and awesome, cool things, Lord, that people, that Jesus would be made famous in Belfair. I thank you, God, for the dreams that are on the hearts of all the people here, and we just agree, God, have your way in them. Like, bless them, help them. Uh, I pray anybody struggling with debt, God, that you would help them to rely on you, that you're the God that answers all debt and all struggles. And we just, from Bellingham to Belfair, we bless you. In Jesus' name, be blessed, you guys. Thank you for coming. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Well, hey, can we give it up? Shannon and Caleb are an incredible couple. They're going to tell their story this morning. Really excited. Can you give them a hand as they come to minister this morning? I'll get the stand. All right. Awesome. So good to be here. What a great group of people. Amazing pastor. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, we're really excited um, for this connection uh, with your pastor. We really love him and his wife and uh, got to meet the worship leaders this morning. They're amazing, too. So, um, yeah, can we give it up for the worship this morning? Yeah. That was amazing. Thank you. Um, so, just real quickly, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about Caleb and I. We, um, so Caleb and I were both um, pulled out of uh, deep darkness, and um, I'll tell you a little bit about that in a few minutes. We, um, and we spend our days um, and our time ministering to those who are wanting out of darkness. Um, we spend time in recovery centers and um, in transitional homes, uh, just giving the word and um, leading people through prayers uh, to receive freedom. Um, and and um, something I understood very quickly after I got saved was that I, I didn't go through all that I went through in my life um, just to go get a house and a job and, and live life. The Lord really wanted to do something in me. So so for me, um, I spent, um, so I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, I, I grew up uh, with, with um, in alcoholism and a lot of mental uh, disease in, in my home. And so there was a lot of struggle. And so because of that, um, I went through a lot of trauma. Um, and so I went through trauma from a very young age. And then trauma just followed me. Boom, boom. It was always pretty much the same thing over and over again until I got into 
a position where I found myself in and out of mental institutions when uh, between the ages of 13 and 17, I was in uh, 14 different institutions, 21 different times all around the um, this part of, of uh, up in the upper northwest. Um, different, uh, I went to juvenile hall, just just really, really out of control. I was an out of, I was out of control child, right? I, you know, I put my head through walls and tried to put other people through walls and I was very angry. Okay, and so everybody thought there was something wrong with me. And so they tried to give me medicine to get me right. But there was no medicine. They didn't understand I needed Jesus. And so I continued through, through my life not knowing that there was a way out. And so I got all the way up into the point where I was addicted because I was just trying to turn off the voices in my head. Um, I went into jail, and that was the first time that um, – I felt the presence of God in my life, and I knew that he was real. I was never angry at God because I didn't really know him, and so I didn't really blame him for anything that happened to me. Um, I was really just trying to survive. And so um, it took a couple times of me going to jail. I had to go to prison, um, but the Lord was working on me every time. Every time I went to a church service, I got deposited with the word of God. And so, uh, long story short, um, I finally surrendered. I said, I really don't want this anymore. I cannot do this. I'm broken from the trauma that happened to me. I was broken, um, and I was desperate. And it didn't matter. I, I just wanted to believe something. Um, it didn't matter at that point what, I, what to believe. And, and, you know, God presented me with himself. And it was through other people, so I had, to, I had to step in and trust. But there's something I think we know, it, because the Bible even talks about how he, how he writes who he is on our hearts before he writes that in creation. All creation speaks of him. That when somebody presented me with the Bible, I understood that it was, it was the good. It was the truth. And so I was so desperate, I cried out to the Lord. And people gave me instructions and, you know, uh, something I really want to encourage you, church, to do is when you're crying out to the Lord and somebody that, you, that, is, that the Lord has sent to you gives you an instruction, it's usually from the Lord. And he wants us to do that so we can receive his freedom. Um, and so there were people who were in the jail who were ministering to me and said, well, you need to um, ask God to forgive you because you've done a lot of bad things. I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> and, so, and so I just did it. Well, when I started to write down my sins, I realized that I had a lot more sin than I thought. <laughs> I, just, I mean, I thought, dealing drugs isn't that bad, right? Uh, uh, <laughs> so I started to really go back, actually, to the first time I could remember sinning punched my sister, I stole some gum, I lied to my mom, right? These are all sins, you know? So I ended up actually with uh, 27 pages front and back. Um, and I actually did this all in a jail cell, <laughs> which if anybody's in here been in jail, you don't have to raise your hand, but you can if you want. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah. Jesus is close to you in jail. That's probably the closest place you'll ever be. My husband and I always talk about wanting to shut ourselves into a really tiny room and just remembering what it was like to be in his presence, you know, because we just miss the closeness of the Lord in there. And so, um, so uh, I did. I wrote out every single sin I could possibly think of, and then I offered it up to the Lord. And I said, will you please forgive me for these awful things in my life? This is not who I want to be. I don't know who I want to be, but it's not that. And so as soon as I did that, the Lord showed me who I truly was. And he just gave me a peace. Um, it, a peace that I couldn't, I couldn't have gotten out of anything. And I'm sitting in this jail cell. I was fa facing 57 months in prison, and um, and so after that, the Lord called me to forgive, forgive my father, forgive my mother, forgive all the people who hurt me, and so I just went on a journey with the Lord to forgive, and so out of that, um, I was sitting in my jail cell, and I wrote a, I read the scripture. Uh, in Psalm 139, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. I'll tell you, at the time, I didn't understand what that meant. I just said it. And what it really meant was, I'm giving you my heart so you can take all the unclean stuff out of it. And that was just an invitation for the Lord to come in. So after I prayed that prayer, I laid down in my jail cell, and I felt a, 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 a light come upon me, and an angel manifested in my room, all the way, an angel of the Lord, just as, as big and bright as it could be, and I just remember being wholly fearful, but also so comfortable in the presence of something so holy, and uh, after that, I, I just, out of obedience to what I felt I should have done, I laid on my back and opened my mouth, and a ton of darkness left me. I mean, just, it was violently coming out of me. And I sat up, and I thought, oh, my gosh, what just happened? I can't tell anybody in this jail what just happened. They'll think I'm crazy, and I'm going to Western State. <laughs> <laughs> I had no... I had no board for it, right? I didn't grow up in any church or charismatic church or anything like that. So I'm just like, I don't have any idea what just happened, but I think it was good. So the next morning, the next morning, the door pops, and I, I walk out, and uh, I just happened to sit back down next to a girl, and I, I said, I have to tell you what happened. So I told her what happened, and she just looked at me, and she goes, oh, God came in your jail cell last night and delivered you. I'm like, from what? She's like, I don't know, but that's what it sounds like. I'm like, okay, it's crazy. So I don't know. I just, I just, I just knew from that time on, I never wanted to do drugs again. I just didn't, you know, I didn't want to do drugs. Um, I wanted to step out of the, the sexual sin that I was in. And I just wanted to live for the Lord. I was so full of the Holy Spirit. I was so excited. And then, but, but that's not all. I got, I, my lawyer came a couple weeks later. 
he said, you'll never believe this. Two of your charges got dropped. I'm like, what? I'm not going to prison. He's like, no, you're still going. You're still going. So I had three charges. So, um, so, uh, so two of them got dropped, but there was one left. And so uh, when I was in jail, I was prompted to write a letter to the police officer that arrested me because I assaulted him. And so I asked him to forgive me. So I totally told on myself. And um, long story short, he got the letter and told the prosecutor, I forgive her. I, I'm actually not gonna, I'm not gonna come and testify against her, but if you wanna charge her, that's fine. And so I had priors, so the prosecutor was like, yeah, we're gonna get her. <laughs> so he actually offered me to either take the felony and get out of jail right then, or to wait for another month and it would be dropped to a misdemeanor, but because my flesh was still in charge, um, I was like, I'll take the felony and get me out. Um, I didn't wanna wait any longer. So, but, my 57-month prison sentence went from that to three months. And the Lord opened the prison doors, and he set this captive free. Yeah, yeah I really, I really want that. That was the Lord. Like, I honor the Lord. So in my obedience, the Lord set me free. And something that we want to talk about today is that... Um, Something, you can step into a relationship with the Lord, and when you feel that call, right, you're like, you feel it in your heart. You hear the Lord say, it's time to get saved, so then you, so that's the first step, right? That's the first step. That's not the stopping point. Yeah, and so a lot of us, so if I didn't go on the journey with I, that I did with the Lord after that, um, I would not be sitting here today. Okay, so, so that was great and miraculous, and I'll never forget that. But I had a ton of pride. I had a ton of shame. I had a ton of healing that I needed to still walk through. And so what I did was I got really close to people who were not perfect, but who loved me and who loved Jesus. And they walked next to me for three years. I put down relationships. I put down money, I put down jobs, I put it all down. And I said, Jesus, I'm just gonna follow you, whatever you want me to do. And these people here have been appointed to tell me how to do that, and so I'm just gonna trust them. And so um, the church needs healing. People need healing. We need each other, and we need to heal. Okay, so if you're walking around with shame and you're walking around in anger or frustration or hurt or pain, Jesus wants to heal that because that's not who you are. You're not a product of what has happened to you. You are wiped clean, period, and you have access to that. And so there's a lie also in the church that says, oh, well, I walk in, I'm saved, and then just uh, everything's gone. Okay, yes, but you have to walk into it. You have to step into it. You have to allow others to disciple you. Because I didn't go through, I realized I didn't go through what I went through in my life to not pull other people out. That's a, that's a reality, is that it's my mandate now to go and stick my hands in the flames and pull out the souls. Right? Hating only the sin that condemns their life. 
but not the person. And so there's, you see the difference. You know, the, the, the Bible talks about, oh, there's, there's sin in a believer's life. There's, there's, there's condemnation. And yeah, you, like, we got to get these, we got to get ourselves and others out of that so we can go out into all the world and do that. And so I just, I just you know, uh, that's the reason the Lord saved me. Was, was for his good purpose. And he doesn't desire any of those bad things to happen to me, but because they did, he'll give me authority if I'll let him heal me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So Caleb um, has an incredible story that is similar. I'll tell you guys, I, s- I just want to tell you this. I waited five years, okay, of being... Praying, Lord, please bring me a husband. Please bring me anybody there right now. You know, you've been there. Oh, God, please. Please. Five years. And let him be, you know, don't let him come from drugs because I came from there. Don't let him be all tattooed and, you know. (laughs) I want me a perfect looking Christian. That's what I want. So then I met Caleb scrubbing a bathroom floor, and he told me his testimony, and I was like, oh, I think, I think this is a man of God, and he has tattoos, and he comes from drugs. <laughs> Lord, what are you saying? <laughs> so he waited two months to meet me, okay, five years, two months. It's all about the power of God, guys. Has no, sometimes you got to walk it out, and then sometimes you just get it instantly, okay? <laughs> so I'm going to pass it to him now. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Thank you. Our, our stories are similar, but also really different. You know, I, I had the amazing privilege of growing up in a Christian home. And so at a really young age, I, I knew God. Um, but at also at a young age, I encountered heavy trauma. And ultimately, trauma is the gateway drug. And that's, that's what led me into addiction and um, eventually in jail. And, you know, I was just sitting here thinking about what Shannon was talking about. You know, we talk about, we joke about, like, can you just get locked up for a minute again? And, and it's so true because... It was there that I learned true desperation for the Lord. There's something that happens there that with all the distractions of life removed, you have nothing. You're in a cell where I could literally touch from fingertip to fingertip if I just leaned a little bit. I got a toilet behind me and a door in front of me, and that's all I had. And it was in that place that the Lord met me. Um, It was in that place that I learned the capacity of how much the Lord actually loves me and actually cares about me. When I didn't care about myself at all. I mean, the, the, I was not a good person. I had good qualities that still like to pop up when they were convenient. But if they're popping up, it's because I was using them to my advantage, 
not because I was actually living in those kingdom values, which is even worse. To know the truth and to go the opposite is even worse. But I was, I was the epitome of that. But when I came back to the Lord, none of it mattered. When I was sitting in a jail cell, I was riddled with anxiety, PTSD, chronic, chronic pain. I could not function at all. And I found a book that uh, led me through repentance and forgiveness. And I prayed a prayer, and I forgave everybody that ever done anything to me. And I asked for forgiveness for everything I'd ever done, even the little things, like she was talking about candy bars and whatever, you know. I stole a G.I. Joe from her dentist's office once. I remember that one, that memory popped up. I was like, that's funny, but I did it. But when I finished that prayer, in an instant, I was filled with more peace and more joy than I had ever experienced in my entire life. And I knew that it wasn't, it wasn't situational. I wasn't suddenly experiencing this peace because I was in this amazing place. I was locked up. And, um, but that's where the Lord met me. And that's where, you know, the reality of why we were created became real to me because of the friend that I found. Because now it, it, it shifted from, you know, God, the creator of the universe, to Jesus, my friend, my brother, God, my father, the one who came to rescue me from the place that I had put myself in, from the place that I deserved to be in. But he showed up and rescued me. And uh, in Psalms 139, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my, in my mother's womb. We were created to share in a personal, intimate, and voluntary relationship with the Lord. A covenant relationship that he established because he loved us, not because we deserved it, simply because he loved us. You know, John 3.16, you know, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. You know, you can, I, I can read over that pretty quickly, you know, for God so loved the world, but the love that the Lord has for us is a love that 
I couldn't find until I was completely removed from everything, completely ripped away from, from everything. And absolutely desperate for there to be something, anything out there that, that could remove the pain that I was feeling. And um, it's just wild. Uh, the you know, Song of Songs 8-7 says, Many waters cannot quench love. Rivers cannot wash it away. Just speaking towards that completely unconditional love. There is nothing we can do to remove that love. You know, it's like when I, w when I, was, on I was on the run for a period of time, and the distance from God was greater and greater and greater. So in my mind, I'm going, he's left me. He's never going to come back. But the reality was that he had been pursuing me the entire time. And all it took for me to come back to that place was one moment in my jail cell saying, God, please, if you're real, boom. You know, and the next thing I know, I'm just having encounter after encounter after encounter in a jail cell. It got to the point where she mentioned the door pops. When they unlock the door in a jail, it clicks, and the door kind of pops open. And if you're in there, you are waiting. Every moment is revolves around when that door clicks, and you get to get out of that little room. But the love I found in the Lord brought me to the place where the door would click, and I reached and I closed it. I didn't want to leave that place. I didn't want to. I didn't want to get out of. I didn't want it to end. It was like, but if I don't want to get up, I don't want to walk out of this room. I don't want to be disconnected. And then I started walking out of the room. He started showing me he's still there. Didn't matter where I went, he was there. And I, you know, I'd sit down and some sports are on the TV, and I sit down and watch the sports, and all of a sudden I'd feel his presence going softer. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. No, I don't want the TV. So I go sit down at a table. People are talking. The conversations in jail are ridiculous. Again, I feel the presence distancing. So I walked away, and he began to sh just teach me the reality is how, of, of how easy it is to, to um, hurt the Holy Spirit. Quench. I heard somebody say quench. Thank you. How easy it is to quench the Holy Spirit. And in jail, it's easy because you don't have many choices of what you can do. What becomes hard is when we have our lives. We have jobs, we have kids, we have friends, we have family, we have responsibilities. And it becomes a lot harder from that place to put everything down and, and just go after the Lord. But the key to the freedom is being willing to lay everything down. When I was in jail, I didn't have to lay anything down. I was stuck. So allowing myself to enter into a season of healing was just natural. But the Lord wants every single person in here to be able to enter into their season of healing. It doesn't have to come from addiction. It's just life. It's just life. And part of the beginning of that is, is really understanding the truth of who God sees us to be. In Song of Songs, 
chapter 4, verse 7. So we have, I like this one, it's from Tyler Johnson. The truth is greater than the facts. You know, there's so many facts of life, you know. Uh, we have, when we look in the mirror in the morning, we see the facts of life. We, 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 see, we see the fact that somebody hurt us. We see the fact that somebody betrayed us. We see the fact that, some, that we hurt somebody else. We see the fact that we betrayed somebody. We see the fact that we've let our children down or we've, you know, it is, we could go on and on and on and on with all of the facts of, of what we see when we look in that mirror. But the truth is way more sweet because the way he sees us is incredible. In chapter 4, verse 7, and this, so in here it's, it's, it's talking to the bride. We are the bride of Christ. So when we're in Song of Songs, we are the bride. These, these poetic words that we're reading are speaking to us. So, when, so when, when I look in that mirror, the Lord's saying, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. What? So when he looks down at each one of you, he's saying, you are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. We, we have to be able to remove the lens of where we've been and view ourselves the way God does. Because when we can look at that, we begin to understand how much he actually loves us. If we go down to verse 9, you have stolen my heart, my sister, my bride. You have stolen my heart with one glance of your eyes. With one jewel of your necklace, how delightful is your love, my sister, my bride. How much more pleasing is your love than wine, and the fragrance of your perfume more than any spice. When I was in that jail cell, all it took was me shifting my gaze to God. And boom, he shows up. In First um, Corinthians 13, this is in the Passion Translation. I like this one. It says, love is large and incredibly patient. Love is gentle and consistently kind to all. It refuses to be jealous when blessings come to someone else. Love does not brag about one's achievement, achievements nor inflate its own importance. Love does not traffic in shame and disrespect nor selfishly seek its own honor. Love is not easily irritated or quick to take offense. Love joyfully celebrates honestly, honesty and finds no delight in what is wrong. Love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. It doesn't matter how many times we've failed. He's still pursuing us. He's still not giving up. You know, it's, uh, it's pretty wild. When we, when we were married, we started a cleaning company. And when she says, I waited three months, that was that I was three months out. Three months from being released out. 
and then had just been released from Department of Corrections um, supervision. And we start this cleaning company, and we go in to apply for a position at a multi-million dollar building. So I'm going in, fresh out, fresh felonies, not felonies from 10 years ago. These are like, this is just the other day. And I'm applying for this, for this contract. We're applying for this contract. And Shannon goes, yeah, they got to do a background check. And I'm like, the what? I'm like, babe, like, uh, this, this isn't going to be good. Like, do they know anything about it? She's like, eh, kind of, but not really. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like bro, <laughs> this is sketchy. <laughs> like, I'm like, we're not going to get a contract anywhere in this area after this. It was in Gig Harbor. And uh, it's a wonderful place. And um, what's wild, though, is I was looking, in that moment, I was looking at the facts of my life, that I was a felon. But God's truth was that I, I was a new creation. I was born again. I had the Spirit of the Lord living inside of me. I was trustworthy. I was altogether beautiful. There was not a single flaw in me. Favor from the Lord is, is, it opens up the ability to receive back what's been lost or stolen. Yeah. Sorry. To receive back what's been lost or stolen. The definition of recovery is a return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength to regain possession of something lost or stolen. A lot of times in life, we look at recovery, and it's like re recovery suddenly turns into a lifestyle, whether it's drugs or it, it doesn't matter what it is. My, my marriage is in, we're, we're in a stage of recovery, and it's five years down the road, and we're still in recovery. You know, it, does, it doesn't matter what it is. Recovery begins, becomes a lifestyle, but recovery is a season, not a lifestyle. In Ecclesiastes 3, it talks about how there's a time for every season. In, in that is healing. There's a time for us to enter in and allow the Lord to heal those places. And through the favor of the Lord, part of receiving back what had been stolen from me was that I was handed the keys to that building with zero restrictions. I handed over the con We ended up going to Hawaii to Ekbalo. And we handed over the contract to somebody else. And my mind was blown when I heard the stipulations of the contract. You cannot be here unless there's someone here. You have to be here within this time. I'm like, we got handed the keys, and it was like, when are you going to do this? Well, whenever you want. There were no stipulations. That's God. That was the favor of God. The favor of God in my life uh, enabled me to regain custody of my daughter after two years of being incarcerated and five months on the run in Portland, I got my daughter back. That was the favor of God. So the favor of the Lord opened up the door for me to receive what was lost or stolen. Proverbs 23, 26.
Proverbs 23, 26. It says, my son, give me your heart and let your eyes delight in my ways. Which sounds pretty cool. When we look at heart, we want to we wanna look at our will. My son, give me your will and let your eyes delight in my ways. That's still cool. I dug a little deeper and looked at where the translation for where the translation for the delight came from. Delight was just a portion of it. Following delight was uh, to be to be to have or gain honor. So to have honor, to be honorable, to be to have joy, to be or receive joy, to be joyful. big one at the end of it was to reconcile with your with yourself to reconcile with oneself is to to accept or come to terms with something one with something one must deal with that is difficult undesirable or a troubling situation or circumstance so submitting your will to the lord gives us the ability to reconcile any and all situations we've been through. It gave me the ability to reconcile the sexual trauma in my life. It gave me the ability to reconcile the, the choices I had made in my addiction, the things I had done in my pain and in my anger. And then the other part of recovery that's awesome is in Isaiah 40. also recovery, you know, a return to a normal state of health, mind, or strength. 40.29, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. There is, there is no amount of of sadness in our life that God doesn't care about. It doesn't have to be as extreme as, as some of the examples we've given here today. The Lord cares about every little bit of fear and anxiety, depression. He cares about your relationships. He wants full and complete restoration in every aspect of every one of your lives. And so today we just want to give opportunity that if there's anywhere in your life where it's not complete, where there's still pain, we want to give you guys the opportunity to come forward. Our ministry team, come up. Yeah, yeah, come in. We're going to stand up. One of my favorite things about my journey in getting to know Holy Spirit is the reality that we don't have to go seek out. We don't have to go on a long journey to encounter the Lord. He's always pursuing us, and he's always right here in front of us. And all we have to do is take a moment and just acknowledge that he's here.
So if everybody could just close your eyes and put your hand on your heart. Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're here with us right now. Right now, Lord, I just ask that you would touch every heart here with that desperation. Yeah, so, um, yeah, Jesus. Some of you um, have heard some things the Lord has been speaking to you. And really the reason we believe the Lord brought us here in the first place was because he wants to do in your life what he's done in ours. And you don't have to be addicted. You don't have to have. But everybody in this room or, or many of you or the one that the Lord is speaking to, you have pain in your heart that you cannot release. Some of you have shame, worry, fear, anxiety. Some of you have pride and control. Some of you, you don't know what it is. But you need help. You've made it further than most people. You've come to the hospital. This is where Jesus, the healer, wants to meet you. And so I speak to those who the Lord has spoken to already. He wants to heal you. If you feel separated from the Lord in any capacity, I just want you to be bold and come up here and get some prayer. Let the Lord wash over your fears, your hurts, your anxieties. How, how does that happen? Well, sin and trauma separates us from God. But he wants to heal that. He has so much more for you, church, because he wants to send you out. So, yeah, I just... We are here to pray with you, to believe with you. God, we lift up to the person next to us. And I pray, God, right now, faith to rise in their heart, hope to rise in their heart. You are really the God who heals. You are really the God who restores. You're really the God that makes all wrong things right. That's who you are. So God, we come with simple faith this morning, and we say, do it in me. Do it in them, God. We pray healing. God, we pray for recovery. We, God, we pray, God, where there's been broken stuff, whether from sexual stuff, whether from addiction, whether from anger, we lift it to you, and we just say, would you heal again, healer? Right here, right now, in Jesus' name. So we're just going to keep staying in this space. We're going to officially dismiss the service in this moment. But before we do, I want to encourage you. There is power in the place of agreement when we come to pray. So can we put our benediction up on the screen, Svetlana? And we're going to put that up, and we're going to continue in prayer. But I want us all to pray this. Just keep coming.
We'll put the benediction on the screen. Let's pray this together. Today we pray that we would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Amen.